0: Coming up on the Branding Deep Dive Podcast.
1: For any given product, there's at least a dozen or more sellers, maybe more. If you're thinking like category products, commoditized products, you're looking at thousands of different ones, but there's only room for 10 in the top 10. How do you get there? Well, you get there by selling more because that algorithm rewards you for sales. Okay, so it's a catch 20, catch 22, they say, catch 21. I forget which one it is. (laughs) It's that thing. Right. You catch 22. You got to sell some to get up there, but how can you get up there if you don't sell some? So how do you stand apart? And the answer is you tell a better story. You make sure that your story stands out. And that's what brand is. Brand is story. It's what, what separates you from the 3 million other companies out there.
0: This is Ahamachima, and welcome to the Branding Deep Dive podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast where we have in-depth discussions about what brands are doing well to drive customer loyalty and how you can take those principles and apply them to your own brand. Today, we're talking to Shaheen Shayen. Shaheen has a story that is straight out of a movie, which, by the way, is in the works. At 15, he created Herbal Ecstasy, Then he went on to be a pioneer in the vaping industry, and for the past decade, he's been selling products on Amazon and teaching others how to create winning products. Shaheen is a master of creating products and building businesses. In this episode, we dive deep into entrepreneur culture, achieving unreasonable success, separating yourself from the competition, transformational experiences, and much, much more. If you have a business and you're looking to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to start a business, this episode is a must-listen. Oh, and uh, as a heads up, this episode does have some explicit language. Now, here's Shaheen Shayan. Shaheen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, For the audience that is not aware of of you and doesn't know about the work you've done, uh, can you give them a brief
1: introduction? First off, shame on you for anybody who doesn't know who I am. I expect everybody to know who I am because I am important, -important. (laughs) self-important. With that said, uh, my name is Shaheen Shan. I am an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. I've had a a long-lived career uh, in marketing, in branding, in the supplements industry, and now I'm an Amazon seller, one of the top Amazon sellers in the country, possibly in the world. And now what I do is I train people how to create sustainable recurring revenue streams, and to live their best life without having to sell their hours, which I feel really is what the power of platforms like Amazon offer to entrepreneurs. So hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into it. I um,
0: was skimming through your book. I haven't like I wouldn't say I'd done the whole thing, but honestly, just being completely transparent when I first um, was kind of like looking into you, I was like, it, you, you seemed kind of like a, a sketchy character right um that's just based on my perception from the outside um and then i read your book right and then i was like okay there's actually some real business lessons here and it's not just fluff you know what i mean and so i was like okay this is this guy's legit um but one of the things that where i want to start is uh you know this story uh first off your storytelling is incredible. Like, is that something that you've always had, or is that uh, something you've really worked on crafting and, uh, you know, continue to iterate on?
1: Yeah. So Ahmed, first and foremost, I do not blame you. My story is bonkers. And for anybody <coughs> interested, the book out now, billions, how I became king of the through a cult. But moreover, I think it's a side effect of this TikTok Insta culture that we live in where you've got three and a half million people on there and everybody's the flavor of the month. And currently the flavor of the month is being an Amazon guru. I've been doing this since 2009 ish when Mm. Bezos opened up the Amazon platform to third party sellers. This is not an overnight thing for me, but I don't blame you because you open up social media and you are bombarded with, look at my Lamborghinis. I don't care about those, but look at the Lamborghinis and the Bikini chicks with the machine guns. You know, I don't care about that either, but check out my plane. And so you've got this, this gang of entrepreneurs who are looking at that and they know deep down inside, I truly believe this, that people know deep down inside that that shit doesn't work, that it's not real, But but it's buying a fucking lottery ticket. And the reason why, people buy lottery tickets is not so they can win the money. They've got no hope of winning that money. They'd be have better chances of getting struck by lightning in most cases than winning, winning the lottery. But they buy it because they can then say that they tried, that they put their, their chips on the table, and it just didn't hit their number. And it allows them to release that excuse uh, that They are not succeeding because, because the truth is really fucking harsh. The truth is they're not working hard enough. The truth is they're not working smart enough. The truth is that most people will not make it, that you have to be ruthless. You have to be aggressive. You have to go out there in the world and you have to pound the fucking pavement. You have to do whatever it takes to succeed, but that's not saleable. What's saleable is by my program. Do this thing that I'm telling you, give me your money and I'll give you this lottery ticket and you can do my social media, my Amazon course. You could do my whatever. And that's how you're going to make money. And people will buy that lottery ticket. And there's fortunes made on that. Buy this NFT, buy this course on crypto, buy this, buy that. It's everywhere you go. So when you see somebody like me who comes with a story where it's like, dude, I made a billion dollars of money, of real money in my teens before the fucking internet was even a thing bro i don't blame you for looking at that and going this guy is sketch as fuck like <laughs> this can't be real and i agree with you it sounds that way but my past is well documented real news and you can you can see and you know we're just working on a film now so we're getting very close to a series deal with a network, I'm not going to say with who, and then there's talk in the future of a feature film that I'm excited about. But ultimately, I don't blame you for that. Now, remind me again, your second question, because I think I just went on a little rant there.
0: No, that was, that was perfect. Um, second question, and I, I should separate these this is one of the things I'm working on as a podcast host. But second question was, uh, storytelling, have you always just been a naturally gifted storyteller? Or is this something you developed? Yeah.
1: Ahmed, that's what it's all about, man. You know, that is one of my superpowers. I am very good at influence. I'm excellent at teaching people how to influence, how to storytell. That's what we do now for the people who I teach how to master the Amazon platform and selling on that platform as a seller, as a seven-figure, eight-figure seller. I can tell you that it's all about story and being able to... Tell a story in a way that influences people. By being able to become a decision architect, as I like to call it, is the most important thing. Because look, if we look on the Amazon platform and we see for any given product, there's at least a dozen or more sellers. Maybe more. If you're thinking like category products, commoditized products, you're looking at thousands of different ones but there's only room for 10 in the top 10. How do you get there? Well, you get there by selling more because that algorithm rewards you for sales. Okay, so it's a catch 20, catch 22, they say, catch 21. I forget which one it is. (laughs) It's that thing, right? You catch 22. You got to sell some to get up there, but how can you get up there if you don't sell some? So how do you stand apart? And the answer is you tell a better story. You make sure that your story stands out. And that's what brand is. Brand is story. It's what what separates you from the 3 million other companies out there. And that's what I li- like to teach. By the way, I've got a course where I teach people how to sell on Amazon. It's 100% free for listeners of Branding Deep Dive. So if people wanna reach out to me by email, Ahmed is darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. Mention deep dive in the subject heading. I'm going to give you the Amazon Mastery Course for free. And it's everything from A to Z, how to sell on the platform, how to find products, how to get ranked, and all that good stuff. Because I honestly believe I'm one of those fanboys of Jeff Bezos and of Amazon where I believe that this disruptive platform that this man has built will create more millionaires and more billionaires in our time than any other e-commerce platform. And, And I truly believe that it is the single most disruptive medium in commerce today is Amazon and it's disrupting everything. And if you look at what this company is doing, what Bezos is doing he has become not a disruptor. He has become the disruptor.
0: So you you brought up the word disruptor. And one of the things I had written down here to ask you is that you've been someone that not only once with herbal ecstasy, but then also in the vape industry. And also you can say now, you know, you've been in, you've been a disruptor in like three different industries. Right. And is there something underlying, like what, you know, there's people like me who haven't disrupted a single thing, right? And then there's someone like you that, you know, it seems like everything you do, you're disrupting. Like, what's the the mindset shift? How do we
1: How do we become people that are disruptors? So, to start, I'm an immigrant. Second off, I have a lot of grit. And I think that makes me just not give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I've been knocked down so many times in my life that one more time is going to have zero impact. So I go out into the world with this don't give a fuckness. Really? I'm trademarking that, by the way, Ahmed. Don't (laughs) use it without me. But it's that don't give a fuckness. It's that coming to this country as an immigrant from Iran and getting the shit kicked out of me every day and getting up. And I thought, man, they could kick the shit out of me, but they're not going to break me. And if they don't kill me, I'm just going to get stronger. And I had that attitude, and I still have that attitude. And that's what what causes me to be a disruptor. And that's what causes people like Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos. You look at uh, even people like Bill Gates. These guys were nerds. These guys didn't have everybody loving on them. These guys had everybody treating them like shit. But they got up, and they showed everybody. It's the ultimate, like, In the 80s, we had that movie, Revenge of the Nerds, which was really funny, right? Because you had the 80s archetypes and all the John Hughes films and in all all the films of that era where you had the jocks and then you had the nerds and you had the bad boys. But we're now coming to realize that all those people that were underserved, all those people that were mistreated, all those people that were abused now have their day. And the people who were doing all the shitty things, the Jocks are now going, oh shit, I hope Elon gives me a job. I hope I can get to work for Microsoft or Amazon or one of these companies. And the tables are turned. And not only that, there is now opportunity for independent operators, for people like me and you. I know, well, I know you work for Amazon, but in general, for people who don't, who haven't taken the corporate jobs, you now have the opportunity to go out there, take a small amount of risk open up an Amazon seller account and come up with a product that disrupts. So that's what you do. But ultimately, there has to be some level of transformational thinking. Something has to click within you. It's what Richard Koch, who wrote The 80-20 Principle, one of my favorite authors of all time, he just wrote a book uh, recently called Unreasonable Success and How to Achieve It. Great book for you, actually, Ahmed, to read uh, after you read my book, after you finish my book, and by the way, are you going to leave me a review? I'm counting of on course. you. Of course, of course, yeah. Okay, I know you. I know you're going to leave a good review, man. I'm I'm counting on, on folks like you. But you know, in his book, he talks about the reasons why people change. You know, and when you meet somebody like I was studying Indian culture the other day. I'm a big fan of Alan Watts. You ever listen to Alan Watts? No, haven't heard of him. All right, you're first off, you're welcome. It's life changing. <laughs> Alan Watts was a philosopher who brought the wisdom of Zen to the West but he was the most brilliant orator in philosophies and he he considered comparative religions he talked about Islam, Hinduism, Judaism and brought them all into a very easy to digest and understand system that something in what he said applies to all of us and it was beautifully beautifully orated. So this is what I would say, that when you look at the world through the eyes of somebody who is willing to do whatever it takes in order to succeed, there's no way you can fail. But in order to do that, you have to have a transformational experience. How do you have a transformational experience? It could be through uh, uh, travel, which is a great way. It could be through taking a huge risk. Some people have transformational experiences in ways that are less than desirable. But there has to be a moment. Like, have you ever met somebody who's like just super cool and you come across them and you don't know what it is like? Maybe the person has no place in your world, right? They maybe do something totally different, but you just see them and you're attracted to that person. And you think to yourself, wow, this person has something. It's a charisma, it's something. And I bet you, I challenge you, if you go up to that person and you have a communication with them, if they have time and you learn about them, you will find one thing in common with all of these people. You will find that they have had a transformational experience something that's taken them out of what one of my mentors would call the TikTok life, the world of the ordinary, and put them into a place of self-reflection, put them into a place where they look back at the things in their life that are right and that are wrong and can reflect on that and come out with an insight that's so earth-shattering, so ground-shaking, that it changes everything for them and a lot for other people around them. It's like being around a tsunami. And that's what you see when you look at entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs, like Jeff Bezos, like Elon Musk, like Nikolai Tesla. When you're around these people, you realize that something has shifted and they're no longer that ordinary person living that ordinary life. So what do you do as an entrepreneur? You strive for that. You strive to to change your thinking, to change your mind, to be open to things, but to put yourself in a place where you can have this transformational experience.
0: One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, one thing that I couldn't understand just looking at your book is like, you know, you mentioned Ed or the Walkman. Um, Like, what was it? Like, why did he invest in you? That's the question that I had. I don't know if, if you ever asked him or what your thoughts are on that subject, but what do you think? Why, why did he spend all this time and energy building you up?
1: Yeah. So I think what you're referring to Ahmed is, uh, the, uh, the walkman who's one of my first mentors, this guy named Edward Lawson. I write about him in my book, an amazing character. And my answer to you is this, he was my first mentor. And I think he could sense my level of hunger physically emotionally from the sense of a, uh, my spirit was that I left home when I was 15. I left my friends, my family, everything I had and went out there into the world to succeed. Again, I write about it guys in my book, billion, how I became king of the triple cult. It's on Amazon audible now. So please check it out. Leave me a review. Counting on yours, Ahmed. So a great book. what he sensed about me, I believe was hunger. A lot of people out there living comfortable lives. Not a lot of people willing to give up everything at a very young age, at a formative age, and just saying, fuck it. Let me go out there and take my chances. And you could smell that on people. You know when somebody is desperate. You ever see somebody who's desperate? You don't know why, but you know like, hey man, this guy's desperate. I'm not going to deal with him. I wasn't desperate, but I was hungry. And you can smell there's something about emotion, like heavy emotion, strong emotion. You know when somebody you love is sad. Why? Maybe they're putting on a fake smile. There's no reason for you to know that. But you know because you're close to them, but you also know that something's wrong. And we also know when people are sad. We know when people are happy. These types of emotions carry. But the people that are more sensitive to things, and I, I really believe there's people in the world that are sensitive to other people's general energy, whatever that means, if we enter the realm of woo-woo science or not science, my uh, old teacher would say metaphysics, is that you can sense hunger. You can smell it on people. And there is something to being hungry, being relentless. I would oftentimes, even deep into my career when I had made millions and millions of dollars, I would not eat until I made a sale. And I would keep my staff hungry. They'd be like, hey, when's lunch coming? And I'd be like, you're not fucking eating until you sell. It's like that great scene from uh, one of my favorite uh, movies of all time with Alec Baldwin uh, called Glengarry Glen Ross. Have you ever seen this? Yeah. Okay. So there's the, the famous scene in there where they all come in for the leads. And the guy comes in from corporate, played by Alec Baldwin. And he said, the guy's like, hey, well, you know, I'm getting coffee. And he's like, put the fucking coffee down. Coffee is for closers. And it was like that with me. I was like, if I didn't close a sale, if I didn't make some money, if I didn't make something happen, I didn't eat. What did that do? Well, okay, yeah, there was food everywhere. If I was hungry, I could eat. But it would keep me hungry. It would keep me in the mindset of being hungry. And it reminded me at a time when I needed it that this is what I'm, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And then when I did sell, I would reward myself with, you know, a really nice meal. And, and that would remind me again, that these are the fruits of my labor.
0: Now, I mean, you mentioned you're an immigrant, you left home, right? Like I think there's a natural hunger that comes from uh, your story and kind of your origin. What about people like, you know, growing up in suburbs, is is hunger something that you can teach or, Uh, Is it like a binary, you have it or you don't?
1: No, you can't teach hunger. Hmm. You can't teach hunger, but you can develop it. You can develop it through discipline. And you have to earn discipline. You have to go out there and do things that are hard. You have to go out there and put yourself in a zone of discomfort. You have to seek discomfort because you know it's going to do you good. You have to start doing things that put you in a position that you might not want to be in. Not anything that would make you feel unsafe, but just uncomfortable enough to know that you'll be okay. I am a student of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm a a beginner level um, student in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I understand Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a grappling art. And I understand when I'm on the mat that certain opponents are going to make me uncomfortable. There's a bigger guy who's an opponent. There's a guy stronger than me who's an opponent. But what we learn is that you have to get comfortable being under pressure. You got to be comfortable when you're faced with discomfort. Because it's not always going to be comfortable. And it's those moments of surviving those moments of being in these difficult situations that build discipline and they build self-knowledge because you reflect on it later. And you say, you know what? That was a difficult day. That was a difficult opponent, but I survived. And next time, maybe I do it a little differently. And that's it. It's about these little micro changes. Like, uh, James clear talks about in atomic habits, just being 1% better every day.
0: I want to change gears a little bit here. Uh, I have a lot of things I wanted to cover. I'm going to try to go through them as quickly as possible. One of the things uh, in your interview with uh, Bradley, you talk about uh, when you went on Montel Williams. I think that's the the name of the host. And you mentioned yeah. how uh, basically you were set up to... He was he was trying to get you... He was trying to put you in a bad spot. and He wanted to defame you and kind of really... Uh, make a scene out of it, right? And and you had a, a, a counter strategy. And if you're interested, you can check out that interview. The, what I wanted to ask you about that, and, and using that example as a as a context, is like there's a phrase in this space that there's no such thing as bad press. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you believe that, or, or like you know, just what are your in, in the various experiences that you've had? Has there been a, has there ever been a situation that you couldn't spin into? A positive or some positive for your brand?
1: Sure. Well, you can ask Joe Rogan now. I think he clearly <laughs> has some bad press with what's going on with him in the news. I think very unfortunate because he's a genuine guy and really a a, a a a trailblazer in the podcast world. And it's unfortunate what's happening to him because people just hear the words and and don't see the intention behind them. It's interesting because. I think Timothy Leary uh, used to say, "It's not can you hear what I'm saying, but do you understand what I'm meaning?" Hmm. I think that's that's much more important. But I think you know, look to your to your point. It's important for you as an as an individual to know who you are in the world. And where you stand. And maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but I talk about this often too, is that it's important to know the things that you're good at, but equally important, if not more important, to know the things that you really suck at. Back to our original conversation uh, when you were asking me some some things, uh, I'm very good at a very narrow band of things. Very narrow. Like, I'm a great storyteller, like you said, and I'm really good at influence, and I'm great at finding people and delegating to them all the other shit that I really fucking suck at. And it's, it's a good combination. It's worked very well for me and made me very wealthy and successful in life because with those few elements, I'm not missing much, and I have value that I can bring to the world. And that's it. I think ultimately in life, I think that's that's what it comes down to, man. It just comes down to figuring out what those things are that you can do, those levers that you can pull that release the most amount of pressure with the least amount of input. Hmm. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in the
0: book that I think is really – uh, spot on. And one of the mistakes I've made in kind of trying out different things is like we we tried a product, uh, we, we kind of dabbled in a space and we spent all this time working on the product. And then after that, we realized we didn't have any any plan for distribution. And so now we spent, you know, mm-hmm. all these resources, all this time and energy trying to create something because uh, I think the narrative is like, hey, build a good enough product and, you know, people will find it somehow. Um, yeah. and whereas in in your story... You mentioned that your mentor tells you, hey, focus on distribution first. And then you actually with uh, you know, uh, Herbal Ecstasy, you had that first rendition of the product and then you distributed it first and that wasn't the ideal version. Um, but then you use the profits to eventually get it to the pill version, right? So um, yeah. for entrepreneurs that are looking in the digital space right now, what kind of distribution are you thinking? I know, of course, you're probably going to say Amazon is one of the major ones, but um, you know, how should you be thinking through distribution? What are some levers you can pull, and how important is it to really start with that and then work, uh, you know, you know, figure the product out later?
1: Yeah. So, uh, digital product is still a product. It, it all depends. I mean, that's a pretty broad question. It really depends on what you're selling, but. One of the things that I teach in my Amazon Mastery course is I tell people to build a uh, type of client who's going to buy your product. So you want to build an avatar of the perfect person. So let's say you're uh, building an app for women who want to track their cycles, for example. I, I knew somebody who was doing that. There's a million apps like that. Well, so who's going to be? It's going to be Julie. She's going to be in her 30s. And you build two or three of these kinds of profiles. And then you can actually start talking to these profiles, meaning you ask questions and you have somebody else answer as that person. And that's a great way to find out who your market is or where your market is. And then you can start adding on to these people's personality. Like you say, hey, Julie, does Julie like skateboarding? No, that wouldn't be a thing Julie does. Maybe Julie likes shopping. Oh, okay. Where does Julie like shopping? Oh, she likes to shop at H&M. Okay, cool. What, you know, so you go down the line and you build these really detailed profiles of who your customer could be. And when you do that, when you build that avatar, you start learning more about who your customer could be and who the market is. And from there, you can branch out and look to the distribution. That's a little bit more of a complicated way of doing it. The easier way of doing it is you go into a marketplace and you see what's missing, you find a vulnerability and then you see if you can come fill that gap. And if you can, it's the quickest way to be successful.
0: Mm. Uh, and then last thing, I know we're almost out of time. Um, I did want to ask you. So uh, another thing that I went through and you mentioned in your book too, is that uh, when you were starting your second project, you uh, essentially just hired people and told them, Hey, this is the problem uh you guys, you know, work on solving it. And that's kinda like the what I've been kind of going through recently too is like I, I hired people and I'm thinking my, my thought process is these guys are smart, they'll figure it out. Right. This is the problem. If I just give them the problem, they'll figure it out. But really I haven't had any success there. Um so just wanted to get your thoughts on uh hiring people and creating uh structure for them to actually succeed rather than just throwing your money on people.
1: Yeah. Hiring people is one of the most difficult things. A friend of mine used to teach us, uh, one of my mentors would say, there's three things that you can outsource sales team building. And uh, so it was sales team building. And I don't know, there was a third thing. My brain's fried at the moment, but building out your team is one of the most important things that any entrepreneur can do. Right. Strategy. Strategy is one of the other things. So strategy sales and team building. And if you know how to bring on the right people, uh, it can make your life a lot easier. So how do you do it? Well, first off, you can never hire somebody and if that person leaves, there'd be a big hole in your organization. That is wrong. We hire people only to execute on systems that we build. So you have to do systems-based thinking. And again, I teach this in my Amazon course. Guys, reach out to me. I'll give it to you for free. Uh, you can mention Deep Dive in the subject heading. It's darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. I'll give you the one-hour crash course for free. But you want to think in systems. I, I use Loom. I create lots of videos. We use Zoom. And we do lots of instructional videos. So you never just train one person. When you're training one person, no matter how temporary they are, you create content. And it's just like having an online course, but your employees watch that online course and they become experts at what it is that you want them to learn to do. So tools like Loom, like Zoom, like all these different types of software that allow you to screen capture, record, uh, and do these online trainings, it's really important. And then you realize that uh success has metrics so when you hire an employee you ask them hey what's going to constitute success for you you have them fill out reports daily weekly monthly and they report to you with what constitutes success if they're not meeting their their metrics then you get someone else but there isn't a big gaping hole in your organization cuz this person is only filling out, filling in a certain amount of systems that are very clearly defined and it gives them the ability to succeed a lot more because what success means is very clearly defined. So they know, hey, I got to write these three reports. I got to do this research. I got to make these calls. And if I, you know, reach these targets, I know my job is being done well. Very important to do. And then you got to hire competent people because if you have incompetent people, no matter how many systems you have, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. That's really great practical tips that. Anyone can use. Uh, Shaheen, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know you already mentioned the email that uh, they can reach out to get the Amazon course. Uh, you also have a podcast. You have a book. Uh, if you could quickly let the audience know where to get that uh, and access.
1: Yeah, so, thanks, Ahmed. Uh, so uh, the book is called Billion: How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. Make sure to check it out. Amazon. Uh, it's on Amazon, Audible, wherever books are found. Uh, additionally, you can check out our podcast called Hack and Grow Rich. Everywhere podcasts are found and on YouTube. And if you want to reach me, send me an email. I respond to every single email. It might take me a minute. My email is darkzess at gmail.com, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. You can go to shahinshan.com. Or alternatively, if you want to learn more about selling on Amazon, you could check out our site, which is fbasellercourse.com. FBA, of course, standing for Fulfillment by Amazon.
0: So Shaheen's book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, is a really good read. Not only does it have incredibly insightful business lessons that are applicable to any business of any size, but it's also a thoroughly engaging read. I could not put the book down. Uh, I finished it in one weekend. Also, this didn't really come up in the discussion, but Shaheen also does have a podcast called Hack and Grow Rich. I will leave the link to both the book and the podcast in the description if you're interested. Check it out. Now, as always, I have my key takeaways from this episode, but before we get into that, I want to share a clip with you from our episode with Parthi Loganathan on building product.
1: And if you think about like traditional companies, not non-software companies, that's where a lot of their spend is. It's like marketing like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, they're spending on marketing because I don't know, like their products are almost commoditized. Anybody can make soda. And it's the same thing is happening, it's slowly happening. To software. There's a a trillion marketing SaaS companies out there. How do you stand out?
0: If you enjoyed this discussion with Shaheen, I am sure you'll also enjoy the discussion with Parthi. Check it out wherever you're listening to this right now. It is episode number 33. Now here are my key takeaways. Number one you can't teach hunger but what you can do is develop hunger and develop discipline how you do that is by seeking discomfort go outside of your comfort zones and really push yourself to do things that you're not normally doing and number two is that we hire people to execute on systems anytime you're hiring make sure you create some structure for those people this is something i learned the hard way you can't just tell people hey work on this problem you have to create structure you have to train your team and really set them up for success And that is all for this episode. If you enjoyed this discussion, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.